Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. tighter to our pocketbook, a little bit tighter to the wallet, a little bit tighter to the purse. Let me reassure you this morning, I'm not trying to get you to give more money. That's not my intention. In fact, if you've gone here long enough, we don't beat people over the head. We don't twist people's arms. We're pretty like relaxed, like, hey, if you want to give, it'd be great. Thank you for your giving. Was anyone ever sensed that here? That's because that's how it is from the top down. We're not trying to get something out of you. But I do believe, I still believe that there's something about giving and generosity that brings fulfillment to our lives. It's not just within this local church, these four walls. It should go from here out into our community. Amen? It's something that we do. We are born generous. We are made generous in his image and his likeness. Again, there's been far too much manipulation in religion. For people's money, and I understand that, but today that's not what this is about. So stick with me, hang with me this morning, because we're going to go somewhere together as we talk about kingdom generosity. So I want to take a look at something Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 16. Uh, Genus, Genus, who's that? Jesus, uh, Yeshua, right? And we, can, we can, let's get old school, Yeshua. Um, he actually finishes this parable of a crooked manager. Now, I've actually spoke about this before. Maybe we'll do it again soon. I love the parables of Jesus. How about you? Jesus would tell these stories. And it's, it's funny because in the 21st century, we'll read a parable of Jesus, we'll read a story, and we'll be like, oh, that's such a cool little story. But we don't realize that Jesus was messing in his parables. I mean, he, he was saying things and, and telling stories that for the listener in the first century, they would hear the story and think, okay, I know where this is going. And then left turn, it wasn't going that way. See, Jesus wanted to get people into this place that, that I believe is just walking by faith. That this is how my walk has become over the last decade is I'm not sure of everything and that's okay. And I have to be open that sometimes uh, Holy Spirit is going to give me a left turn, bring a left turn. I say that because um, I was in this blues band, the Rusty Wright band, for about four years. My good buddy Pete was the drummer. And we would always call it, Rusty would have these, these, um, these progressions. We'd be, you know, a certain progression we'd be doing, and then boom, we'd hit it, and we'd call it, whoop, there's a left turn. He liked to put left turns in the songs to keep you guessing where we're going next. And I believe that Holy Spirit, a lot of times in our life, he's looking for, are you ready for the next turn? Because we're going left right now. You think we're going straight or you think we're going right, but we're going to go left right now because I want to jog your memory. I want to get you outside of the comfort zone, outside of the things you maybe thought you believed because it's time to shake that up a little bit. How many have been shaking a little bit in their walk? If you haven't, it's time to be shaken a little bit. It's okay. It's called the walk of faith. But Jesus finishes up this parable of the crooked manager, and he talks about this idea that we can either be faithful with money or we can be dishonest with money. I want to pick this up in Luke chapter 16, verse 13. Look what Jesus says. He says, No servant can be the slave of two masters. Such a servant will hate one and love the other or will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Now look at this last sentence. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, come on, we've heard this preached before. We've heard 
preachers say this before, you cannot serve God and money at the same time. So open it up. And that's not going to happen today. I'm not going to give you exact amounts. Holy Spirit's telling you right now through the TV screen stuff. I know you've experienced this, and that stuff has rubbed you the wrong way. That's not what we're doing this morning. I want you to see something here. And this is Jesus speaking. He's saying, you cannot serve both God and money. See, today is not about how much you should give to church. I'm not going to give you, you know, the, the five steps to better finances. We're not going to even mention Dave Ramsey today or a budget. But I will say this that having a budget, it's really essential for being generous. Because how many have ever had more week at the end of your money than more money at the end of your week? Anyone here? How many have implemented a budget into their life and you found out, whoa, I had more money than I thought? Or I didn't have as much money as I thought. Maybe I should stop spending in some of these areas. Come on. Come on. We're uh, we're not going to do that today. But I will say this. Uh, Let me ask this question. How many times I've been there, so I'm speaking from experience, Have you saw need, you saw something or someone who needed something, but you didn't have the wherewithal to give? That's not fun, is it? Like you truly wanted to give, but you couldn't. This is where a budget comes into play. Because a lot of times you can have that extra money to go, hey, look it, I've got that extra $25. I've got that extra 50 bucks. I can cover something as simple as, hey, pay for the person in line behind you at Big B or Starbucks. Anyone done that before? I've had that happen. I pull up to pay. They're like, someone already paid. I'm like, who? And then you're trying to read the license plate. Who is it? Who did this? It's, it's wonderful, isn't it? Even at the store. I, I found this too, that sometimes, and this is something I've had to work on, and my, my mother-in-law has helped me a lot on this, is just receive when someone gives something to you. I've had a couple occasions where I've been in the store, and I just felt like, pay for the groceries behind you. And I've tried, and the person argued with me. I don't need that. No, you don't have to do that. Listen, you don't have to. They argued with me about it. Sometimes it's not learning just to give, it's learning how to receive. Sometimes that can be even harder. But Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. I simply want to talk today about this idea of generosity, the idea of the how and the why we give, especially when it comes to our time, our talent, and our treasure. And there's really two sides of this coin when it comes to church giving or or giving in religious circles one tells you that you need to give every time money comes into your hand and then they start telling you percentages and numbers i've been there come on that's what you need to do but but then there's the other side of the coin which says well god already gave and his grace is so big and so huge in my life that it doesn't matter if i give i mean god doesn't need my money anyway but see unfortunately what happens is we end up in the ditch on either side of the road of the kingdom. The kingdom is about giving and generosity. So it's not a matter of, well, I don't have to do nothing. Well, okay, but I believe Holy Spirit's asking us to do something in the lives of others to give ourselves away, right? There's fulfillment that comes when we give ourselves away. Science is even proving this, that when you give of yourself, when you do something, see, in our mentality sometimes we think, but if I do that, we almost, it's called that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not loss, um, but it's a certain mentality of um, not having enough. I don't have enough. I can't do this. But many times when we give, we give of ourselves, all of a sudden we're like, whoa, like this wave rushes over. It's a fulfillment. Like, I'm born to do this. This is what I'm meant 
to do. But then on the other side, we've got into this religious idea where people start to tell us what we're supposed to do and they start tagging percentages and numbers on it and you must, you must, you must. And so that's also rubbed people the wrong way and that's in the ditch as well. And I think when we get to this point of extremes, we've actually, like I said, fallen into the ditch on either side of the road of the kingdom of God or I could say kingdom generosity. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes. It says, a feast is made for laughter. And wine makes merry. Listen to this next line. But money answers everything. Now, when I was a kid, I've already told you that my dad's testimony of just this radical change from this drug dealing, drug using hippie, and just didn't know where he's going on, on the run from, you know, the authorities. And he, he ends up in Kansas and he has this experience. Someone introduces him to this book and this idea of God and his love. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, I grew up Catholic. I was an altar boy. He used to tell me, though, he'd sneak back and he'd sip some of the wine and stuff. <laughs> he'd tell me these stories. So I'm like, how much were you following Jesus, Dad? I'm not sure about that. But it wasn't real to him. But then it became real and everything changed. And I thank God to this day that things changed because I don't know where I'd be today if it weren't for my dad understanding this divine connection that he had with God. It's beautiful. When I was growing up, he became a preacher. He was a pastor. And I told him for years, I'll never do that. <laughs> anyway, God changes our heart, doesn't he? But I remember we had this thing where every day we'd read some scripture and maybe write down something we got out of it, whether it's a proverb or whatever. But I remember reading this in Ecclesiastes. It says, but money answers everything. And I used to lay, just lay there and dream about what would I do with $1 million? Anyone ever done this? Now, I know, in, in, I mean, compared to when I was a kid, let's say $10 million, because a million doesn't seem like a lot anymore, does it? You're like, really? Well, give it to me and I'll, I'll let you know. But I used to lay there and I think about what would I do if I had a million dollars because it would answer a lot of questions. It would answer a lot of needs. It would answer a lot of wants, wouldn't it? And hopefully we have a budget in place so we're smart with that money. But, you know, money does have this way of answering everything to a certain extent. But what I love about this verse is what it says about money. It doesn't say money is bad, does it? Money's neutral. In fact, money is just a tool. Jesus says you cannot serve God and money. So you see, there's a difference between money as a tool and money as a God, right? And when you really think about it, this verse boils down to this. Serving God equals walking in love, whereas serving money equals serving self or walking according to the flesh. And I'm saying this from the perspective of someone who has been in both spots. There's been times where I've pursued that dollar. I bought into this idea that I need to have more and I need to get more. Now, how many know it's really nice to have your bills paid? It's great to have food on your table. It's good to tell your kids, hey, we have a lunch to pack. Right? It, it gets me that, you know, almost every summer we receive in the mail something from the school saying, if, you're, you know, if your student happens to be someone who's you know, low income, we are providing meals at the school because for some kids, they don't eat if school's not in session. That breaks my heart. What's, what's, what's going on? There's something wrong with that, right? But thank God we have programs that are able to help people. 
And thank God we've never really been in the situation that we've had. It. It's t- been tight at times. My wife's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's been tight, especially when you have kids. It costs money. But praise God, we've always had food on the table. You know, we've always had gas in the car, no matter what the price is. We've had a roof over our head. The heat's been on. Yeah, the power's been cut off before, but praise God, we got it put back on, right? I mean, we've all been in these spots in life. But there's something about this idea of giving. See, we're called and created to love others just like our Heavenly Father. We are created in His image and likeness. You will probably hear this every single solitary week. You have to know who you are in Christ. You have to begin to understand your identity. Maybe not everything, but listen, you've got to get that connection first. I am connected to the, to the divine. There's nothing that can change that. There's no one or nothing that can take me out of his hand. There's nothing that can change his love for me. That's where it starts. We're in divine connection. But out of that understanding or image of likeness, it begins to lead us to this place where we see that we're built generous, just like God. He's a generous God. The Apostle James describes God as a liberal giver. For instance, when he talks about needing wisdom in a situation, what does James say? He tells us to ask God, and look what he says in James 1, verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, look at this, who gives to who? All, say all, all, how? Liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, the first thing I want us to see here, and we just said it twice, is that God gives to who? All. God is not a respecter of persons. Unfortunately, many times religion has put labels on people, and we have this us and them mentality. I mean, you know that the, and this is why I call it kingdom generosity is because when we begin to tap into the kingdom way of thinking, everything changes. How you see life, how you see yourself, how you see God, how you see others, it changes. And all of a sudden, walls begin to come down. Barriers begin to come down. Labels begin to fall off. It's no more, well, we got it, and I wish they had it like we did. We begin to understand that we're on a journey together And listen, everyone comes from different backgrounds, different walks of life. This is what I love so much about the culture here at Faith City Church. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your lifestyle, what you're into, what you've been through, anything. You are welcome at Faith City Church. And I've finally come to a place after several years where I understand that Holy Spirit is big enough and powerful enough to work in your life and to begin to ask you to change areas and help you change areas where they need to be changed. I don't have to do it for you. That's not my responsibility. Man, it takes the pressure off. Any preachers in the house say amen. It takes the pressure off because we realize, wow, God loves each of us so much that he's going to work through our stuff. He's going to work through our life. And if there's any blind spots, he's going to help us see those so we can begin to receive healing in those areas of our life. But look at this. He says that he gives to all, how? Liberally. The definition of liberal is bountifully. And without what? Reproach. What's reproach mean? It means shame. God doesn't give with shame. Now, have you ever had situations where someone's given to you and you almost felt ashamed to receive it from them because of the way they did it? 
oh yeah, yeah, you need some help. And just the way they do it, they add this shame to it. Like, I'm not going to say with words so much you owe me or I'm doing this for you, but you feel that, you sense that. There's been times I didn't receive from someone because I, I didn't want to have that feeling of shame. But look, at, it says God gives to all, first of all, he gives liberally or we could say bountifully without shame. God doesn't shame when he gives. Wow, think about this. If you're made in his image and likeness and you're created just like him, it's in us to do the same. To look for opportunities to give of our time, our talent, our treasure. And so I think this helps bring us more into uh, perspective when we look at the first letter to Timothy that Paul wrote, 1 Timothy 6.10. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. Look at this. This last line is powerful. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I've said this a lot. I think I might have even said this last week that we can go to scripture and when we read scripture, we can see it as a threat or a promise. So when you read the scripture, if you're someone who comes with a threat, you're like, oh, that money, man, that money's bad. You don't want that money. That money's really bad. Stay away from that money. But I see a promise here. Paul is trying to, to, to let us know, listen, if you love money, just like Jesus said, if you make money your God rather than God your God, look what he says. I love that he included this. These people who do this, they're pierced, they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. In other words, there's no joy. It doesn't bring true joy. In fact, this word evil here, in the original language of the Greek, it means labors, annoyances, and hardships. The love of money brings labor, annoyances, and hardships. Can you see now? It's a promise. It's not a threat. It's saying when you make money, you're God. When you got to have more of this, this substance, this thing in your hand, you make it your God, you make it your life, you're going to go through a lot of hard labor, a lot of annoyance, and a lot of hardship. Can you see the heart of Paul here? If we think money will fix all of our problems, then you know what we do? We end up trading our freedom for a chance to get more of it. And people have all through history. I've had moments in my life where I've done this and they sacrifice their children, their spouses, their relationships, their friendships, their families to pursue more money. You know, as a pastor, I've had the opportunity to officiate a lot of funerals, um, to even be at the bedside of those who haven't passed and be there while they pass. And I've never once heard anyone on their deathbed say, if I just had a few more hours to make a little bit more money. The, the biggest regret is usually relational because life is all about relationship. If I would have just spent a little more time, if I would have been more involved and intentional with my kids or my grandkids or my spouse or my friendships. So many people die lonely, especially when we make money our God instead of God our God. See this, again, this is something we expect a preacher to say, but this isn't a threat, this is a promise. And if we allow God to be our God, we awaken to that connection we have with the divine, and then through that experience, we begin to awaken to who we truly are and whose we truly are, and suddenly realize, wow, we were built for generosity. 
This is who I am. And when I give, listen, there's no fear of lack. That's the word I was looking for before. That fear of lack. There's no lack. Actually, I gain more fulfillment when I'm giving of myself. See, the love of money brings labors, annoyances, and hardships. You see, Jesus and the apostles weren't saying that you can't have money. They were simply saying, don't let money have you. Because there's a big difference. Like I said before, I love when I can pay my bills and pay them on time. How about you? I love when I have a little extra. You know, uh, my son Aiden, he loves Fortnite. This is like, he just lives to play this game. And he's asked probably 27 times, Dad, when you're at the store, will you get me a V-Bucks card? And I'm like, no. Because I'm such a loving dad. No, you know, for me, it's kind of like, what a waste of money. Like, I go through all these adult ideas, right? Like, it's a waste of money. They're, they're scamming you. They're trying to get more money from you. And yesterday we were out, and Aiden asked the question again, and, and something in me just said, get him a V-Bucks card, man. And so I just laid down all those thoughts I had, and I got it for him. And you know how much that blessed him? I walked in his room, and I was like, here, buddy. And he went, let's go. And he was already on Fortnite. Imagine that. And he tells his friend, his name was Chris or something. He's like, Chris, Chris, my dad just got me V-Bucks, bro. Just give me a second. I got I to redeem this. Like he was so pumped to get this thing. You know how fulfilling that was for me to give to him something, a $30 gift, which is not a big deal, but to him it was the biggest deal. It brought so much fulfillment that I didn't have to think about how much this company, Epic, is you know, raking these kids over the coals and getting into our pocketbooks. See, there I go. I've already lost it. But he enjoyed that moment. He enjoyed that moment so much. There's a story, I believe I shared this before, but to me, it's just the perfect picture of, of what generosity looks like in kingdom life. There's a story about Alexander the Great. And he's in this procession, you know, I mean, he's, you know, he's the ruler. They're going down the streets and there's a beggar who's begging just for something, you know, bread, money, something. He, he needs sustenance. And so he ends up giving this beggar several gold coins, which is a pretty big deal in this day and age. One of his advisors looks at him and he says, your majesty, he says, a handful of small copper coins would have surely been more than enough for this beggar's humble need. I love the response here of Alexander. He says this, yes, a few copper coins would have suited this sad beggar's needs, but... Gold coins suit Alexander's giving. Now, I'm not sure that Alexander the Great would be the best example of everything in life. I'm not saying that. But in this moment, think about what he's saying. He's saying, I saw the need, and I didn't stop right there where the need was. I gave according to my generosity. Does that sound kingdom or what? It's kind of the, the idea of, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, um, just a couple weeks ago, Pete even talked about this, but Jesus said to love your enemy. And I know that's a, that's a tough thing to ask, but I think it's because he wants us to get to a place where it's not just, okay, I can't stand that person, I guess, help me love him, Lord. It's you get to the place where people aren't your enemies anymore. Because how do you truly love someone who's your enemy? You don't. If you love them, then they're no longer your enemy. It's like Jesus is saying, this is kingdom life. It's so much higher. It's, 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 just, it's operating at, at a higher level of consciousness than this world idea of retribution and hatred and us and them. It's completely different. And then he goes on to say, 
And Pete covered this. He says, if a soldier, and some translations say, if anyone asks you to carry their backpack or their pack one mile, you should carry it two. And I love what Pete said because it can be so easy in those moments to go, okay, Jesus, I guess you're just one up and again. Because we know at that time it was Roman law. If a soldier demanded you to carry a mile, it was law. You had to. No ifs, ands, or buts. You drop everything and you go. And then Jesus is adding to it and say, you know what? Go two miles. You're like, I got a family. I've got a business to run. And now I got to go extra? I mean, two out means two back. The day's gone. I mean, there's all these different thoughts. But Pete said this. It was so powerful. He says, what if Jesus, just like the love of enemy, was trying to bring us to this place that was so much different than, all right, I'm demanded one. I guess I'll do two, Jesus, because you're asking to this. You're looking. You're watching for a soldier. You're approaching the soldier and volunteering before they even have to ask. And then when they say, okay, you, okay you're volunteering. Well, do your mile. He goes, no, we'll do two. See, it's, it's a different mentality. It's a, a different way of functioning in life. And even by Alexander's example and the example of Jesus and the apostles, what if we came to a place where it was never, well, there's the exact need. Let's fill the need. But we're always going above and beyond. See, this is true generosity. This is kingdom generosity. It isn't just with money, right? It's time. Giving of your time is not always easy. There may be times where I've been guilty of this. I don't have time to go visit that person. I, I can't spend time on the phone right now. I've got things I got to get done. But deep down, I know Holy Spirit saying, listen, we can redeem that time. Lay that down and spend time with that person. Give time to that event. Volunteer at that soup kitchen. Be part of that outreach at your church. What about our talent? What about our gifts? Sometimes it's so easy to just utilize and use those for our own benefit. But what if they were put there to bless others? And the fulfillment that comes when we're generous and we give of ourselves. In other words, we become generous givers who give just like our Heavenly Father. And how does he give? He gives liberally without shame. There's such freedom in being generous, isn't there? And maybe you're like, I don't know, I really haven't experienced that. Well, maybe today's the day to start being more aware of what's going on around us. Be more open to hear the voice of Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I'm open, I'm ready, I'm willing. I've got a few extra bucks, I've got a little extra time. Uh, whatever it is, I want to be there, I want to be available, I want to be ready. Because I do believe it brings true fulfillment. And again, I'm not saying this because I've arrived. I have selfish days. But you know, those days I don't feel as fulfilled as I do when I'm open and I'm generous, speaking from experience. And that's really what we're talking about today, generosity. But I believe it's important to understand the how and the why we give or the motivation for us in giving. I want to wrap up with a story. It's a story of the Macedonians. And I, I believe it's just perfect timing for where we are right now. There are a lot of people who are struggling right now with what we're going through socially and, and economically, and even emotionally, this is affecting people. I mean, there's people who are truly struggling in their finances and their emotions right now. Whether it's the war, it's the economy, these different things 
uh, this adversity that's coming against us. And I want you to understand that my heart this morning, I would never try to manipulate anyone out of their money or out of their time for my gain or the church's gain. Giving has got to be something that you decide in your heart. Say, my heart. And that's why it's so important that the Apostle Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, he tells us how we're supposed to give. He explains what generosity truly looks like because it is what you decide in your heart and what Holy Spirit is speaking to you. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, we see this story playing out. The Macedonian churches were going through some really tough times. Uh, Paul actually references their uh, severe trial and their extreme poverty. These are the words he uses. You know, of course, it's translated from the Greek into the English, but he says extreme poverty and extreme or severe trial. They had almost nothing to spare, and yet they gave generously even beyond their ability, the Apostle Paul tells us. So what were they given to? You know, what was it they were given to and why? Well, church historians tell us that in this part of the first century, somewhere around uh, 45 AD, there was a severe famine that had ran through the area surrounding and around Jerusalem, which had inflicted severe poverty and need on the Jewish believers. And so Paul, who was an apostle, by the way, to the Gentiles, he gets this idea because he had planted all these churches throughout uh, the Greek world, and he thought, what if I were to ask for an offering in my letters so when I come there, we can gather this offering together and we can give it to the people in Jerusalem? Now, first of all, i got to say something here. The very fact that he's asking Greeks to give to Jews was a big deal. Because in this time, the Greeks and Jews, they did not get along. They had labeled one another. They didn't have close relationship. But something moves in the hearts of the Macedonians, these Greek people, to see that those Jews, those Jewish people, are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so they saw a need, and they were dire. They, they were in extreme poverty. They didn't even have any extra. But they looked at the situation, and they saw these the suffering of their Jewish brothers and sisters. And so when they saw this and that they were being faced with this great affliction, their hearts were moved with compassion and they gave everything they could. They gave even more than they could afford. That's what it says. And I want to pick this up in uh, verse 6 of chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians because we're going to see that love motivated them to help those in need, even though they were in need themselves. Look at this. He says, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over. Listen to this. And make up your own mind what you will give. Now, I want us to, to, to zero in on the words of, of Paul here. This is why when we receive offering or donations, this is why we do it this way. What have you purposed in your heart? This isn't about a man behind a pulpit telling you an amount or what you should do. What is Holy Spirit telling you? to do. And he says, I want you to take time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. Listen to this. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. How many know this? You can't delight in giving if you feel like someone's trying to get it from you. It's funny. I think about there's times where Even my wife would say, hey, honey, I want you to do this. And it's like, I want to go, yeah, well, I don't want to do it now because you told me to. 
Because we have this thing, you know, as humans, we just want to do something because we thought about it, we want to do it. But think about even in giving, when we purpose in our heart and we choose, I want to do this, there's such a fulfillment because it protects us against arm twisting and sob stories. And we're, we're, de- we're delighting in this. One translation says God loves a hilarious giver, someone who like just loves to do it from the core of who they are. And that's how we're built. Look at this in verse eight. So God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything. More than just ready to do what needs to be done. Come on. One psalmist puts it like this. He throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy and reckless abandon. This is describing our heavenly father. Look at this. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. The most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows in the full form lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Verse 12, carrying out this social relief work. This is what they were doing, right? Social relief. They were trying to help their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. He says, carrying out this social relief work involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgivings to God. This relief offering is a prod to live at your very best, showing your gratitude to God by being openly obedient to the plain meaning of the message of Christ. You show your gratitude through your generous offerings to your needy brothers and sisters and really toward everyone. Meanwhile, say meanwhile, moved by the extravagance of God in your lives, they'll respond by praying for you in passionate intercession for whatever you need. Thank God for this gift, his gift. No language can praise it enough. Wow, Paul, he was so blessed. And when he saw this church that literally had nothing, was in extreme poverty, he's like, how did they even come up with this gift? It's because that's how we're built. We're built to be generous. I believe that every single one of us here today and those even watching online and those who may even see this later, I believe all of us desire to be generous because it's built in. It's who we are. Say this with me. I'm generous. It's who I am. Amen. People of generosity, that's who we are. So find the need. Talk to Holy Spirit about what you should do in every circumstance and situation, not just here at church. I would ask that you consider giving to your local church, whether it be time, talent, or treasure, but it goes so far beyond these walls. This should be a daily walk. This is how we walk in life. We are built to be generous in our time, talent, and treasure. So really, here's the question I want to leave us with today. Can we trust? And this is really what it comes down to. Can we trust God with our time, talent, and treasure and be open to Holy Spirit when it comes to giving of ourselves? Can we do that? Will you stand with me this morning? I want to pray together this morning. And no, we're not going to receive an offering or anything like that. I want you to receive from God today. And maybe if you want to close your eyes just to zero in, it's not a religious thing. Sometimes it helps us to focus. But let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much 
for your generosity and your goodness in our life. I know there's many of us here who our desire is to be generous. Our desire is to give. Uh, That's who we are. That's what you built us for, just like you. But maybe we're not sure how to do that, what that looks like. I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you're already moving on the hearts of people to give them ideas and ways that they can be more generous in their life with their time, talent, and treasure. Whether it be here in the local church, whether it be on the job or at school, whether it be in the grocery store or the coffee shop, wherever it is that we're always aware that we're built to be generous and we're always aware there's always a need somewhere. That we come to a place rather than being asked to be generous, we find, we seek out, we look for areas and ways to share generosity with others. Again, that's how you build us. We're just like you. So move in our hearts, Holy Spirit. I pray that we're open to listen. And if there's any blind spots that, that we've, we're not seeing, if there's any areas in our life where maybe we have fear of lack, maybe we're, we're unsure, uh, maybe it's a scary thing to step up by faith and to give in certain areas, I pray, Jesus, that you're right there right now healing those ideas, those false ideas, those lies that we believe. And that we're finding even just the smallest ways to be generous, that we can all start somewhere. Because again, we are built for generosity. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.